You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. How's everybody doing today on this gloomy Wednesday afternoon? Well, uh, Lars, we're still waiting from connections for on connections from Matt and Christian. So right now, uh, you and I are doing great. It sounds like. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the story of the day, no question, uh, here in Alabama, and really it's one of the biggest stories in all of college football, is uh, Tyler Buckner, Buckner, uh, the former Notre Dame quarterback who entered the transfer portal. And uh, the whispers have grown louder and louder that he is interested in Alabama, is going to be visiting Alabama, and could be uh, enrolling at Alabama very soon. And this is a very interesting development, to say the least. Um, and, and, and before we sort of get into the analysis of, of, of Tyler, let's, let's, let's look back and try to understand exactly how we got here. Um, the fact that Alabama is, uh, you know, by many accounts, uh, looking to add a quarterback from the spring transfer portal. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, how in the world after Nick Saban has, uh, gone from Jalen Hurts to Tua to Mac Jones to Bryce Young to blank, 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 where are we now? Um, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's sort of hard to understand because at every position almost, Coach Saban has an embarrassment of riches. All right. Like two and three players who can do everything, who are four stars, five stars. But, and let's just be honest, it, it appears, at least at this point, that the most deficient position on this entire Alabama team is quarterback. And so it begs the question, 
how did this happen? How did we get here? And uh, I think really what you need to do is just look at the timeline and um, it explains pretty much everything, right? You go back to 2020, Bryce Young signs and um, and he signs and, and then in 2021, uh, backed up uh, Mac Jones, excuse me, he, he backed up Jones in 2020. Uh, as Jones uh, was the starter, and then Bryce Young was primed to take over in 2021. And you got to remember about Bryce, right? Legendary high school quarterback uh, out of Santa Ana, California. He broke record after record, uh, held by JT Daniels, who's now, uh, I think, still <laughs> on, still has, is still eligible, and now in his ninth year. Uh, at some school somewhere. Um, but the thing is with elite high school quarterbacks, they don't sit and wait to play, much less they don't sit behind a player who already has one year of experience in the system and has been set up to play, right? So Bryce was, uh, he had one year backing up, again, backing up Mac Jones, and then he started for two years. And so in the class of 2021, Alabama offered the top three quarterbacks, Quinn Ewers of Texas, who Alabama is going to be seeing uh, early in the season. And I think Quinn Ewers is a fabulous player. And I think Texas is going to give Alabama a, a heck of a fight, mainly because of Quinn Ewers. If Quinn Ewers doesn't go down in the game last year. I think Texas wins that game. All right, but they so they offered Quinn Ewers, they offered Caleb Williams, who ended up going to Oklahoma, transferred to USC, wins the Heisman Trophy, and they offered Drake May, who went to North Carolina, because but none of them were going to sit behind Bryce Young. So what does that leave them with? The tide had to uh, sort of go down to the next level, right, in the recruiting rankings. And they signed Jalen Mil- Milrow, who was a four-star, uh, dangerous, dynamic runner, but really a, a, a project as a passer. And then in 2022, Alabama added Ty Simpson, who was a five-star. Um, and then they added two more four-stars in 2023 with Eli Holstein and Dylan Lonergan, right? And so now here we are. There's four scholarship quarterbacks in the quarterback room, and none of them have seized the moment in the spring. I think that's safe to say. And this is what opens the door to a potential transfer in Tyler Buckner. And there is still a little more irony to this whole situation. Alabama lost out to Buckner and to Notre Dame, right, in the recruiting cycle. Uh, and who is Notre Dame's offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach? Tommy Reese, <laughs> who is now the new offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach at Alabama. So Tommy Reese is very familiar with him. Now, Buckner is by no means uh, sort of uh, a, a sure bet. 
He was a backup in 2021 at Notre Dame. He won the starting job in 2022. And uh, he started a, a grand total of three games. Two losses to begin the season last year at Ohio State and Marshall. And then a come-from-behind win over South Carolina in the Gator Bowl, where he wasn't exactly stellar. He was the MVP. He threw three picks, including yes, two did. pick sixes, Matt. Yes, he I, did. I don't know how he managed to do that. I don't know. I don't know how he won the MVP either. Well, uh, he was 18 of 33, 274 yards, three touchdowns, but you mentioned three picks. And that's been his problem. Uh, he can pull it down and run with it. And he, he struggles to pass the football. And by the way, for you Notre Dame fans, Sam Hartman looked great. Uh, what a pickup in the transfer portal from Wake Forest. But I think you, you got it. There's a real connect the dots on how this guy, how Buckner could end up at Alabama, Tommy. And, 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 and Matt, if I could just make one more point and then okay. I'll happily turn this over to you. I've, I've been talking too much. Um, if, if he does sign with Alabama and that's a big if he's only doing it with the knowledge that he more than likely is going to win the job, right? Like, or at least he'll be given every opportunity to win the job. And this is his, you know, this is his last opportunity to transfer and play in 2023. And I think the other school that's going after him (laughs) to even sort of thicken the plot is Auburn. I think Auburn's going hard after this kid. And so, Again, uh, Alabama's potential starting quarterback has a career touchdown interception ratio of six to eight, completed 58% of his passes. And this comes after a seven year run. Jalen Hurts, who's now the highest paid player in the NFL, uh, Tua Jones and Bryce Young, who's going to be the number one overall pick tomorrow. And they averaged collectively, right, over this that seven years, Matt, 40 touchdowns, six interceptions. I mean, it, wow. it's uh, it, it's just been an incredible run at the quarterback position at Alabama. And I, I think uh, we have uh, uh, officially entered, you know, gone from uh, the Amazon where everything is uh, is – is 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 flourishing everything grows it's great to the sahara <laughs> where uh you're looking for a mirage of hope and um tyler buckner's the guy well i have my doubts on that i'm going to do a break check on ty and milro but we need to take a break first. Let's do that. Christian will join us, and uh, we'll continue to talk about the Buckner situation, whether or not he'll even I hear that he's visiting now. So uh, maybe not now as of this moment, but he plans to visit the Tuscaloosa. All this and more coming up on Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. 
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, to 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOM. An equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy this afternoon and tonight will maintain the chance of a few scattered showers. The high today, 74. Tonight's low, 60. Or tomorrow, cloudy. A good chance of showers. Maybe a few strong thunderstorms around. The high, 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64. Four degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big News Sports with the Norman Folger. Thanks, Abe and Joe, who even on vacation is still considering the show. I appreciate that, Joe. All right, we've been talking about a young man, Tyler Buckner who's a backup at Notre Dame. Sam Hartman has far overshadowed him in spring practices and in the spring game uh, here recently. But uh, because of his ties to Tommy Reese, uh, who's now at Alabama, uh, many think Buckner would consider Alabama. I think he is considering Alabama. I don't know if Alabama's considering him. I think there's a big Tommy Reese factor here uh, if he thinks that this guy can come in and start in front of Simpson and Milrow, but I don't, I haven't seen nothing to show me that he's better than either one of those two. By the way, Simpson, it was released this morning, uh, had a UCLA sprain, UCLA, UCL sprain, and, uh, he's actually in some kind of boot right now. But I want to tap the brakes on the criticism of Milrow and Simpson. These two guys are following what you could argue the greatest quarterback in the history of Alabama. We could have an all-day debate on that. But, you know, <laughs> but it, people act like Alabama doesn't have any quarterbacks. Yeah, they have two pretty highly recruited quarterbacks, and Milrow has proven himself. But they're following Bryce, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, dazzled. He was spectacular all the time. And now I, I get the feeling people think another Bryce is going to show up. Well, let me tell you, that's not happening. And these two guys are not bad. 
Um, you know, some would say they had a mediocre performance in the 8A game. I think they looked okay. I think they looked pretty good. Uh, they're also, by the way, going up against what I think now is going to be one of the better defenses in the Southeastern Conference. So I'm doing a break check on the criticism of those two guys, and I'm really struggling to think that Butner comes in here and butts either one of them out of the way. Christian, I want to get your thoughts on this because you were at A-Day. Did these guys look that bad? Hey, we're having connection issues with Christian again, guys. I want to apologize yeah, for that. Um, oh, that's, that happened. Matt, Matt let me uh, respectfully disagree. Can I do that? Am I allowed? Um, no, Lars, you're not a part of this show. You cannot. I, uh, I, uh, you know, you know how much I love conflict. Um, <laughs> that's an yeah, inside joke, everybody. Uh, so, okay. According to multiple reports, Tyler Buckner's first stop as he evaluates potential schools is Alabama. So that you could deduce from that that Alabama is interested in Buckner. Why are they interested in Buckner? Because they're not confident in the players that they got. I mean, it's that simple. And if if they are going to offer Buckner, the only way that they're going to get him is to say that you got a legit chance to win this and so to win the job. And so I do believe that Alabama is uncomfortable with where they stand right now at the quarterback position. And, and as I mentioned during the, you know, the, the, the uh, elongated soliloquy in the first, in the first segment, there's a reason all of this happened. Uh, and it was basically because of Bryce Young. He scared away all of the top guys for essentially three years. Right. And so that's why Alabama is in the situation that they're in now. And, um, so I, 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 I just think, it, look, if everything was, was roses and everything was perfect, everything was great, we wouldn't be talking about this kid. So, I mean, I think there's a reason why he is being linked and why it appears that Alabama is going after him. And that reason is that the coaches aren't satisfied with what they currently have on their roster. I mean, feel free to disagree. I mean, I know you do disagree, but that that is that is my, uh, you know, 10 cent analysis of what's happening here. Well, and there's a lot of logic to that. Um, and if I'm this kid, I'm not going anywhere that I won't start. And he's got a lot, a lot better chance, in my opinion, of putting himself in the transfer portal and going to Auburn and starting. Um, whereas I don't, I just don't see, I mean, he throws interceptions. He relies more on his feet than he does any part of his athletic body. And I don't see now, and, and granted, I mean, I've watched a lot of football. I, 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 I've got a good eye test. I don't see anything from him that would put him way above uh, Tyler or Monroe. This, that's that's my eye test, and that's well. I, I, I don't th- I, I don't disagree with you on that. I, I think if he came in, it would just it, it seems like they're just kind of adding another. Another good player, not a great player, a, a good player. 
and and then you know let the three of them fight it out in the fall and and see what happens um but i i think it just it it to me it reflects the larger issue of that there's there's sort of trouble in paradise here in the quarterback room and it has been a paradise for the last seven years <laughs> because you know one of the guys is uh now the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, Tua, I believe was, if you just go by passer ranking, was the number one quarterback in the NFL last year. And Bryce is about to become the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And you have Mac, who, uh, who got off, I thought, I thought he had a real solid rookie year, but you know, former first round pick. I, mean, I don't know in the history of Alabama, certainly in the history of Alabama, there has never been a better seven-year run at the quarterback position than what they have just uh, enjoyed. And perhaps you could even, you know, extrapolate that and say this may be the best seven-year run any team in the history of college football has enjoyed. I think you're right. But, uh, also, but, it, but it has to end, you're right? It, it ends right. at some point. <laughs> and I think it's ended now. But I, I think based on the last seven years, um, Alabama fans, um, in media, um, they're kind of expecting a, another one of those guys to step in and, and be a Mac or a, a Bryce or a Tua. And I just don't think that player exists right now, maybe on any roster. In all of college football, and I think it's that pressure that is put on the incoming quarterbacks, the likely starter, uh, that's got to be immense. One thing is it's an awful lot of pressure to just be a quarterback. But you, when you're the starting quarterback and you're following these guys, that is the most unenviable position in all of college quarterback history. To follow I mean, it's a, uh, I, I guess this, this would be an overstatement. But I'm just reminded, it just came to my head. It's, it's kind of like the equivalent of Ray Perkins taking over for Bear Bryant. <laughs> or Gene I mean, Bartow taking over for Wooden, you know? It's, yeah. No way you're going to win. No way. Yeah, you can't. It's hard to be the guy who replaces the legend. And in this case, legends. Uh, you want to be the guy after the guy. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, 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 I think Alabama's starting quarterback, put it this way, for 2024 is not on the roster yet. That, that's just my take on it. Maybe, maybe really? one of these kids, maybe one of these kids will develop really quick. Uh, but just because none of them, Matt, were like, you know, at the very top of their class, uh, in terms of recruiting. And I know Mac, and, and Mac Jones wasn't, I think Mac was by, listed by many by a three star. Right. And uh, and he was really took to coaching, uh, was developed. Uh, I think Dan Enos did a really good job uh, with Mac Jones. And, um, it, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not uh, uh, Ty Simpson. That's who I really have my eye on, by the way, as someone who could be a very special. Uh, you know, can he develop? Um, it, I just, I, I don't know if he's ready yet. I mean, based on just the very small sample, that's the other thing. We don't have a big sample size. And so, but based on the small sample size we've seen from Simpson and Milroe, 
you certainly don't go into the fall camp just with, you know, oozing with confidence in your whoever your starting quarterback is going to be. But I think that's why you got to remember, though, that football is not just about a quarterback and the offense. You also have the defense. And if you look back at Coach Saban's earlier years, the quarterback play and the offenses weren't the, the most exciting part of the team or the most important part of the team. It was always the defenses. And what I walked away with is this year's defense has the potential to be very good. And they, they, they can help relieve that offense as they go through some of those growing pains. And again, we're talking about a small sample size from the spring. Honestly, I think, you know, we're kind of jumping the gun. Uh, again, I don't think I remember a spring where any quarterback from Alabama looked tremendous. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I wouldn't necessarily be concerned until, you know, we're through the next couple of scrimmages in, in fall camp, which is months away. And we're still having this problem. Um, but. Realistically, I, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm not too concerned. I thought both guys did, you know, some really good things, showed some signs of promise. Are they the same uh, type of quarterback or caliber that we've seen from a guy like Bryce Young? No, and I don't think you're going to see that um, very often. You know, he's a special type of player, and that's fine. Um, but again, I, mean, I, want to, I want to remind everybody, uh, in 2014, we had Blake Sims at quarterback, great player, um, but by no means, uh, you know, had the, you know, potential of a guy like Bryce Young or Tua Tagovailoa. And what was he? He was a dual threat quarterback that used his legs to extend plays. And I was a member of that team. I can tell you right now, um, he had Mari Cooper, a really good receiver, and they had great chemistry. He used his legs to make plays, and he led us to the college football playoff. We fell short against Ohio State. However, we very much could have won that game, and he was more than – uh, enough at the quarterback position combined with a really solid defense. Um, again, Jalen Hurts wasn't the, the highest recruited quarterback, uh, but came in, worked his way up relatively quick, played as a freshman, and uh, in 2016 led us to an undefeated regular season and lost his last play in the national championship game. I say all that to say um, he didn't necessarily have the arm talent at the time. You know, he does now, but at the time didn't have that arm talent, and he was able to make plays with his legs and, and be himself and they came up with a good system uh, to work around him, and it was successful. So I say all that to say I, I'm not necessarily concerned or panicking like a lot of people right now. Um, I think you got to remember football. The beautiful thing about it is there's 11 guys on the field at one time. Um, you have an offense, you have a defense, you have special teams, and that's why it's pivotal that those other units uh, provide relief. And we've seen that in the past, and I think we potentially see that again as the offense and these quarterbacks continue to – work things out, but I think ultimately they'll be successful. I lean very much in your direction. Good comment. Hey, we're going to shift gears and try and get an answer to this. Where is Will Levis going to go in the draft tomorrow night? He seems to be moving up big time. Number one, number two, Cole Thompson, who covers this for a living, will join us on the other side of the break. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. 
This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here. Working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine. Excellence in research and education. And excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Hey, D.C. here to... A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Joined now by Cole Thompson, who uh, joins us often to t- uh, talk about the NFL and all. Uh, he's a writer and columnist for Fan Nation, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Mr. Cole Thompson. So make sure you do that and follow him immediately. Cole, appreciate you joining us on this uh, wonderful Wednesday afternoon. I'm going to jump right into it. I want to know, why has Will Levis suddenly getting the, the traction in the draft world to be up to maybe number two or perhaps even number one. And part of this question is, is there movement behind the scenes that pushes these scenarios? Well, there's always going to be movement whenever you hear analogies where potentially a player that just a couple of weeks ago was flirting with the idea of being the last quarterback selected of the top four to now being number one. But I honestly feel like that this is something that just is occurring because of news cycles. It doesn't feel like, based off my conversations with people in the know, that there really has been any predecessor conversations of a Will Levis getting at number one. Now, Carolina may really like Will Levis. In fact, I was told at the start of the season that David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, was infatuated with Levis's progression from Penn State to Kentucky last year when Liam Cohen was the offensive coordinator. But that was back in September. And the reality is that when you move up and give up a plethora of draft capital, when you give up a premier 1,000-yard playmaking receiver, you are going to get the best player available. And it feels like as of right now, the consensus around the NFL is that if Bryce Young stood at six foot one and weighed 205 pounds on a good day, there would be no hesitation. His footwork is phenomenal. The ability to extend plays outside the pocket is second to none. Multiple scouts have told me that the second he enters the NFL, he'll have top 10 pocket awareness. He doesn't have great arm strength, but what he does have is validity and consistency, moving the ball across the sticks, picking up first downs, keeping drives alive, being able to put balls in certain places. And I think it's a major factor that really sells on a guy like Bryce Young over anyone else's he did not have the receiving core that Tua Tungabailoa had. He did not have the receiving core or the offensive line that Mac Jones had. He didn't even have the run game that either of those two quarterbacks had. So the fact that his numbers were progressively on pace with both Tua and Mac does sell a lot of teams on not just his willingness, but his ability to create separation and his ability to create, I would say, the right word probably being... Um, I, think, I can't believe I'm blanking on the word right now. Um, uh, um, uh, being able to work on the fly, his ability to improvise. That's the word I was probably looking for right there. His ability to create something out of nothing. That really sells me. You know, 
you never say never in the NFL, but I think it's never a fact that there was a doubt that right now Bryce Young is going to be the number one overall pick. Maybe, just maybe, you have somebody working behind closed doors. We just saw Calvin Ridley and Davis Williams go through a betting odds thing. Maybe they're the ones placing the bets to go ahead and get Bryce Young's odds down. So they know they don't have to face him when they have to go up against teams in the AFC or NFC, respectively. Cole, uh, you and I go a long ways back. and I are. Uh, Hey, hey, buddy. And uh, we did, you know, the, the biggest piece of breaking news in the history of big noon sports occurred with you when we informed your girlfriend that you were going to propose to her. I mean, that was that was that was rich. That was good radio. That was um, great radio. And here it is. That was good. <laughs> yeah. She didn't hear it for uh, three weeks, so that was good. But 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 Cole, you and I, uh, we are both weirdly obsessed with the NFL draft. Uh, how do you see the first five picks going? And then as a follow-up, where do you think Hendon Hooker goes? Uh, okay, so number one, I think, is Bryce Young. Based off my conversations this morning with those in Charlotte, based off my conversations throughout the last several weeks, Bryce Young has been locked in as the pick at number one for at least the last, since the start of April. Houston is the wild card pick number two. They are not taking a quarterback. Based off everyone that I've spoken to, based off conversations I've had in the building, based off those that I've had around the league, there is a consensus that it is now between Alabama defensive end or outside linebacker, whatever the hell you want to call him, in Bryce, I mean, in Will Anderson and Texas Tech defensive lineman Tyree Wilson. The difference between the two is that they believe that when you look at a guy like Tyree Wilson, his ability to separate and make an impact against the run with experience already playing as a nine technique, likely allows him to be in that formidable spot. Houston last year finished dead last in run support. They finished dead last in missed tackle rate. They are looking for a difference maker on the defensive line. And as good as D'Amico Ryan, the former Alabama grad himself, was able to factor a great defense at the second and third level, he had three first-round picks in the defensive line. So I think it's going to be one of those two. If I'm a betting man, Houston has met with Will Anderson three different times. I think that he's going to be the pick there. I believe that Tennessee is the team to watch for trading up to number three. I think that when you look at an Arizona Cardinals roster, they want to go after one of three positions. Offensive lineman, and there's been rumors as of late that Paris Johnson, the tackle from Ohio State, is high on their big board. Wide receiver, I know that they like Jack Spickman Jigba from Ohio State, but they also really do like Quentin Johnston the six foot four vertical threat from TCU. And they also could be looking at a guy in Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon. They believe that he can be a solidified number one playmaker on the outside. So I think Tennessee trades up and they go get their quarterback of the future in CJ Stroud. Last year, they took Malik Willis, but that was with John Robinson as the GM. Rand Carthon is coming into the building. I do believe that he wants to go ahead and set the tone for his regime. They're the ones to watch for that makes the move to go get the Ohio State quarterback. Will Levis goes off the board to pick number four. It's one of those kind of secretive picks to where people kind of figured that at this point they were going to go after him. Shane Steichen seems to be very inaptuated with the likes of his footwork, his ability to have a howitzer of an arm. There's little mechanical things that you need to fix, but on a good day with a good offensive line and better receiving weapons than you had in Lexington, he actually could be a substantial big upgrade over what you've had the last few years with Carson Wentz with Matt Ryan, and, of course, the now Gardner Minshew. And the worst-kept draft secret out there right now is that Jalen Carter has been infatuated and in love with by and enamored by the Seattle Seahawks. If not for 
the negative connotation around his name during the pre-draft process, if not for his bad combine numbers, I think it would be easily out there that they were just going to sit there and wait at pick number five. Ultimately, with Will Anderson potentially having some issues or maybe even being off the board, you go ahead and you just take Jalen Carter, who you believe is the best interior defensive lineman in the class. As for Hendon Hooker, I think that if you go and you watch Twitter this morning, him being able to throw the football and go through a seven-step drawback now puts him in the conversation of being a first-round pick. I do not know if he will ever live up to the expectations of being a first-round pick, but based off my conversations, the Houston Texans have very much enjoyed their uh, their, their meetings with him. They do believe that there is some potential for him. The reality is, is that they need to figure out how many games will he be able to play in 2023. If there's more than seven, I believe that Nick Casario makes the move at the very end of round one, maybe calls up the Buffalo Bills, maybe calls up the Cincinnati Bengals, and selects his quarterback of the future with the 25-year-old who has a touchdown-to-interception ratio of 68-5 to in the last two years and was able to go ahead and dominate against Alabama in 2022. Cole, how many uh, Alabama players do you see being taken in the first round of this year's NFL draft? I go with four for sure. I think that maybe you get a fifth. Uh, let's start off with the one that people have been really wanting to know. It's Shamir Gibbs. Uh, there have been multiple evaluators who have said the fact that Gibbs' ability to create mismatches as a receiving aspect might make him a more plug-and-play-ready option for teams looking for offensive firepower than the Texas' B. John Robinson. Now, whether or not that's true, that's just based off a of personal feel. His ability, though, to be a great route runner and be great in pass protection does make him a viable asset to watch for at the end of round one. I think Brian Branch is another name. He's a slot defender, but he is so much more than that. You want to line him up on the outside at cornerback, he will be able to, I think, really enable that role. If you want to add a little bit more pounds to him, he can play strong safety. If you want to play at free safety in a cover-high situation, there's a lot to like about him. He's a physical tackler. He makes plays on the football. His ability to read and react is second to none. He, in my opinion, is the top secondary player outside of cornerback. So nickel defender, safety, whatever you want to call it. He is going to be a major impact. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars at number 24 is probably his floor. Uh, I think that you're going to see a lot of other teams make some phone calls at the top end around 18 through 20. Naturally, Will Anderson is going to go off the board. I think he's the best defensive player and the best player in this year's draft. Alabama with Bryce Young is going to go off the board. And I think that that's probably where you're at right now. I don't know if you will see another name stick in the end of round one. Uh, I do think you will see a couple players, Tyler Steen and Byron Young, come off the board in day two. Hey, Cole, do you want to hang around another 10 minutes? We got a few more questions. I got another 10 minutes for you guys. All right, we'll continue on Big Noon Sports. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Daniel. 
their clothing around town on game days. But check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Biore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy this afternoon and tonight will maintain the chance of a few scattered showers. The high today, 74. Tonight's low, 60. Or tomorrow, cloudy. A good chance of showers. Maybe a few strong thunderstorms around. The high, 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Our guest is Cole Thompson, talking NFL draft, and that means that uh, Lars is all excited. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Because I can hear him on the other sideline. Like, he's, uh, he's just sitting there well, quiet. Cole, Cole what, what I love about the draft is – you get to see the different philosophies of uh, franchises, specifically GMs, of how they construct their rosters and, you know, what what they put value on. And, um, you know, something that, that Jay Barker and I talked a lot about, Christian and I and Matt, we, we talk a lot just about, you know, do you, do you build your team? Sort of inside out, right through the the interior line, and and then out to um, you know wide receiver, running back. Obviously, you're always looking for the quarterback. Or do you uh, build it from the outside in? If you were a GM, what would your philosophy be uh, in in putting together a team? It's challenging because of there's two ways to look at it. Where do you feel you are with the quarterback? Because of just look at the AFC in general right now. I mean, Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay. He heads over to the New York Jets. And there's conversations of him being the seventh best quarterback in the AFC. At 39 years old, a four-time MVP. And this organization just gave up maybe two first-round picks to go ahead and get him. Meanwhile, the quarterback in Jordan Love, who's never taken a snap outside of, I mean, he's never played more than one full game in his NFL career through three seasons, has potential to be one of the top seven quarterbacks in the NFC. So if you don't have the quarterback and you don't feel confident in the quarterback position, that's always a major priority. If you win or lose based off quarterback play. 
But if you feel content with the quarterback and you do feel like because of the personnel you run, a perfect example of this last year is Brock Purdy with uh, Kyle Shanahan leading the charge in San Francisco, you have to take the best player available. I feel like that there are four positions now in the NFL that are nearly indescribable to what you must have to be successful. Quarterback is always going to be number one. I think one offensive tackle, there is a narrative that says, oh, well, right tackle means you're good at run blocking and left tackle means you're good in pass pro. That's no longer the case. You have to be great at both areas if you want to be successful in the pros. And a guy like Darnell Wright out of Tennessee is probably a perfect example of this. He last year went up against Will Anderson, Brian Brissies, uh, BJ Ojolari out of LSU, and Jalen Carter against Georgia. And he held his own. He only allowed one total pressure against all four of those guys. And it was none of the first three that I named. It was actually Jalen Carter, who was playing on the outside in that game and was in a very, very, very limited role for that performance. You have to be able to play both sides of the spectrum. I think edge rusher is another one. You have to be able to disrupt the quarterback. You have to be able to get inside of the mantra and inside of his head. Because if you aren't able to disrupt the backfield, you allow your offense to be able to predicate based off of quick hits, slant patterns, uh, smooth out routes, balls going out to the running backs in the flat area. So if you don't have that timing purpose, you're not going to be able to go ahead and fortify your defensive line and really add any pressure to keep an offense testing on its toes. And the position that I think a lot of people are sleeping on right now, but you're going to see in the next few years, it become the prime area for payment is cornerback. Quarterback has to have that alpha dog mentality. You have to have somebody who can go walk up to another off, uh, another wide receiver at the start of the second half and go, hey, man, you had a really good game. And just basically eliminate them and shut them the heck up. Like, that's what you have to have in today's NFL. Now, cornerback is one of those ones where you feel better about playing them in zone. You better about playing them in off ball, press man coverage, man coverage. What are the stipulations you're looking for? But you can't go into an NFL season without a bona fide number one cornerback. It's why you saw teams last year really covet a Derek Stingley Jr. Why you saw them last year covet a Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. They didn't care about the school or what brand they represented. They cared about what their style of play was. And both of them are looking like staples for Houston and New York, respectively. So I feel like that quarterback is always going to be the one that you have to build off of. But if you don't feel confident, but if you feel confident in that position, Go take the best player available, but you always got to look at the positional value. Right now, the three positions I think are extremely valuable to any team's success. Offensive tackle, edge rusher, and cornerback outside of quarterback. Cole, I want to go back real quick to Will Anderson. You had mentioned that you felt that the Texans thought they potentially had a better uh, fit in, was it Tyree Wilson? Is that his name? Tyree Wilson, yeah. So from my understanding, if they hired Matt Burke and you got D'Amico Ryan's coming from a, a 4-3 system typically ran in San Francisco, um, is it your understanding that that's probably what they're going to bring to Houston? And, and do you feel, uh, after seeing what Will Anderson has done at Alabama, uh, cause you know, here at Alabama, our base was a 3-4, but in recent years, they've kind of gotten away from that where we're really a nickel, uh, personnel probably 80% of the time which we've seen Will Anderson even line up in a four-eye technique, uh, which you won't have to do in the NFL. But with that experience of him playing all over the line, um, is it your understanding that he'll have no problem adjusting to a 4-3 front where he will be a base defensive end, probably more so of a five technique, um, more so than well, – because a nine technique would probably be more suited for, uh, you know, a, a more athletic guy like him, which he could definitely do that as well. 
foot, do you see him having the ability to play that five technique in the NFL with bigger tackles, knowing that he's going to have to be stronger at the point of attack? So I think the biggest thing is that, let's start off with what uh, what you first said. They're going to run the D'Amico Ryan-Fled defense. So they're going to be in a 4-3 base next year. Uh, they've already discussed that that's going to be exactly what they want to do. The play calling has not been decided. D'Amico may be the play caller. Matt Burke came over from Arizona, might be the play caller. But as of right now, they are trading, They are staying with the 4-3 approach. Based on my conversation, they are planning on having Will Anderson, if he is to be the selection, as a nine technique. They want him playing on the outside. They think that his athletic prowess is going to be able to translate to the NFL very well. But I'm glad that you brought that up, Christian, because of, he has mentioned multiple times that he has worked against uh, he has worked against bigger offensive linemen as a four eye tech, and that's really important because of that versatility to allow him to stay on the field depending on the formation you want to run. And San Francisco runs a lot of nickel base in the NFL. They are a team that loves their cornerback play. They love their ability to separate and dismantle wide receivers across the middle of the field. I could see an opportunity to where he fits, whether as a five tech, he's a good run defender, he's got great hand usage. He's got to get, I think, a little bit better at the point of attack if he's going to be in a full rushing set. But if you play him as a nine technique, I have no problem. This is a guy that led the SEC, not just in tackles for losses, but also in sacks back-to-back years. You don't usually get a two-time Bronco Jersey Trophy winner that can play in multiple positions at your disposal, staying at pick number two. He's actually my number one player in this year's draft. Cole, tell us where people can follow you. Always go ahead and check me out at Mr. Cole Thompson. You can also go ahead and listen to the Just Saying It show right here on the Sports Map Radio Network, Monday through Friday, every single day. And you can read my work at fannation.com. Thanks, Cole. You do a great job for Thanks, us. Thanks, Cole. Really, really good stuff, man. I'm proud of you. I appreciate you. Lars, RSVP to the wedding, please. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> that was so funny. All right, when we come back next hour, we got our man Tim Brando on and likely many other things. Stay with us on Big News Sports. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. I can go from zero to 60 way too fast. <laughs> Who knew electric vehicle owners were having so much fun? 20 or 30 years ago, I owned a, a gas sports car, and this car is much quicker. It's a great, fun car to drive. When you put your foot on the accelerator, it just goes. They're fun, they're fast, they're efficient. Visit driveelectricalabama.com to learn how you can start having fun driving an electric vehicle. Sponsored by the Alabama Clean Fuels Coalition. The ABA and this station. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Did you know 
not washing your hands after using the bathroom can increase the spread of hepatitis A? Washing your hands with soap and water, as well as getting vaccinated, is the best way to protect yourself if you are at risk of getting hepatitis A. One dose of the hepatitis A vaccine provides long-lasting protection in up to 95% of those who receive it. For more information on the hepatitis A outbreak in our state, visit alabamapublichealth.gov forward slash IMM. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Public Health, the ABA, and this station. Probably seen their clothing around town on game days. But check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzen and And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley. Luxury game day apparel redefined. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA. An equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back on Big Noon Sports. Brought to you by Haley Sampson, Union Home Mortgage. Uh, talking NFL draft as that is tomorrow night. We'll talk a little bit about it tomorrow again. We'll talk with uh, Tim Brando about that, and I imagine plenty of other subjects as well uh, at 1.15 today. But as we lead off in a carryover, talking in-depth defenses at the college football level, Barge, you had a, a formation question for Christian Miller. <laughs> Yeah, Christian, I've just been reading more and more about teams uh, sort of formally going to the 3-3-5 defense. And that, that frankly, I'm a little confused by it. And uh, I was I was hoping you could kind of break that down, uh, not just for me, but for our listeners, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically what it says, 3-3-5. Three, three, so you got three down linemen, three linebackers, and five defensive backs. Um, you see it more often in college, uh, not as often or common in the NFL, but um, it's just a, another uh, type of defense that, that seems to be gaining some uh, more popularity um, in football. I'm not a huge fan of it uh, because it definitely has – his weaknesses, it does have some strengths, but to me, there's more vulnerabilities than there is, uh, you know, positives coming from it or strengths. 
Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty much what you'll see out of it. It's, it's more fit for an athletic front. Um, I guess the more strengths of it would be it's malleable, you know, it's, it's flexible. You can bring pressure from different areas. Uh, you know, whether it's one of the linebackers, one of the drop down, uh, safeties. Um, but it's also weak because you only have three, uh, down linemen. You don't have as much of an edge of relying on. Uh, off-ball linebackers and, and defensive backs to come down and set the edge, um, which, excuse me, could cause an issue uh, against the run. And also, typically, you'll see the seams are a little, a little vulnerable uh, against the pass. So um, while it does have its strengths in terms of, you know, throwing a variety at offenses, kind of uh, keeping them guessing. You know, we, we talked about this uh, when TCU was facing, facing Michigan. Uh, you know, TCU runs that three three five defense. Um, you know, they're bringing pressure from all over, kind of confusing that offensive line. Um, and we thought Michigan would have kind of exposed them in the running game. It didn't necessarily go that, go that way. So I guess that, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But typically, um, I'm more of a proponent of having a little more strength up front, a little more beef up front. Um, just like, you know, Alabama typically an old fashioned, uh, would, would have, you know, big guys up front. And we've kind of gotten away from that. We've even seen Alabama run some three down fronts. And if you ask me, they have not been a stout against the run in recent years. So that's why I feel the way I feel about it. Uh, just because my experience, even though I come from a three down front and a three four, the difference is with a three four front, the two outside linebackers are typically on the line of scrimmage. So you really almost have five guys up on the line of scrimmage, if that makes sense. So don't be confused by the two threes that started off uh this is two totally different defenses there um but again there, there's strengths and, and weaknesses for everything uh, i think this is just kind of something that's slowly gained popularity in recent years and uh we'll probably see some more of it but uh i, I like having a little more strength in numbers up front is the fifth defensive back typically like a, a, a kind of a run stuffing safety or is, does it just depend on down and distance uh, I mean, it, uh, typically he's he's pretty much like a, like a nickel, right? I mean, it's it's pretty much the same thing as if you're running a four two five. It's not much different. Um, so your nickel or your star, Alabama calls it a star. Uh, it's pretty pretty much just a, a an extra defensive back who, who is kind of like a slot corner typically. Um, so that that's the best way I could explain it. I mean, he is responsible. Uh, in the run game coming down in the box. Um, but he, he still, you know, is the, a defensive back is on the field to cover, you know, uh, receivers. You know, but it's a big responsibility to, to defend the run. But at the same time, I mean, normally primarily you're, you're out there to cover receivers. If you, if your main focus was stopping the run, you'd have a bigger body guy out there, like a linebacker. You could even just run regular personnel and just run a 4-3 where you have a Sam linebacker because that's the only difference between a 4-3 uh, regular personnel and, and nickel is that the Sam linebacker comes out of the game. And he's replaced with a, with a defensive back, uh, known as a star, uh, or a nickel corner. Um, but it, Joe and, and, and Aiden brought up a good point talking about defensive backs. One guy I was impressed with in A-Day, and I mentioned this on the radio call when I was, uh, the sideline reporter for A-Day was Brayson Hubbard. Um, and really I just was so impressed, number one, with his play during A-Day. Uh, at the safety position. But number two, the fact that this guy had never played the position before he got on campus. They recruited him as a quarterback coming out of Mississippi where he was a talented uh, dual-threat quarterback. 
uh, but was recruited here to Alabama as a defensive back. And he had a great showing at A-Day. Um, I was very impressed with his ability to cover guys, but even more so his ability to come down uh, and offer that run support. You know, he had a lot of tackles on the day. And uh, overall, just like a great athlete. I watched one play. Uh, he was dropping underneath in a zone. Uh, they tried to throw the ball over the top. And, I mean, just watching him jump up and try to at least get a, a finger on it to tip it, he didn't. But, I mean, just seeing his athleticism on display right there, I was really impressed. So uh, that, that was one guy. You know, I know I switched over to A-Day, but they made a great point. And I, I just wanted to bring that up, that Brayson Hubbard, man, uh, I think is going to have a great career here at Alabama, uh, a guy that played quarterback in high school, now transitioning to the defense side of the ball. I think as Joe just texts, he was a two-time Mr. Football in the state of Mississippi, and that's no small feat. But I think people underestimate what you just said, Christian. His athletic ability uh, gives him a lot of versatility back there in the secondary. Uh, and the other thing is, and I read this up and talked to some of my buddies over in Mississippi, that he's a, you know he's got a very high football IQ. And I think that's what you saw Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it, it, definitely you're right. I mean, not only was he flying around and making plays, but uh, a large part of that is knowing what to do, where to be, and uh, feeling it out, you know, having uh, good instincts, knowing uh, when you're dropping in coverage, being able to, you know, feel the receivers, you know, not having to look all around. You just have that instinct where you, you can feel uh, when you're in your zone, right? You know your landmarks and get to that landmark, but then you have to adjust depending on the routes that, that are being run. Um, so just seeing him putting himself in position to make plays, I was really impressed with it. And, um, I think he's a guy, again, that he's probably going to play some special teams early on, but I wouldn't be surprised, man. Uh, a guy that, you know, probably one of the lower ranked guys in this class, but I could see him definitely contributing uh, to this program uh, at some point in his career here. And I'm really excited for him along with the rest of the secondary. I mean, I honestly saw so many bright spots in that secondary from the first, second, and third team um, that, honestly, they're probably the most improved uh, position group that I saw on the field Saturday um, because from top to bottom, there was just so many good things, so much promise. Uh, you know, there was guys uh, coming up with interceptions, forcing turnovers, coming down, offering run support. I mean, they were sticky in coverage, timing their, their pass breakups perfectly, um, I don't even – I think there's maybe one pass interference penalty called, if not two. But uh, overall, man, secondary play uh, was second and none Saturday. And that's that's a, a group that I'm really excited about for this upcoming fall. Christian, um, could you pull back the curtain for us and just kind of explain how your day went from uh, from calling the game? And, and was there anything that um, surprised you? Uh, do you have like a newfound appreciation for uh, analysts? Uh, just what, what was your experience like? It was a great time. Uh, I always really enjoy getting to uh, be with my crew uh, with the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Uh, Chris Stewart does a phenomenal job. John Parker Wilson, uh, outstanding guy and announcer. Um, and just being a part of that team, Tom Stite, Butch, just everybody, uh, you know, they're, they're first class. And they make the job really fun. So I had a great time. I started off in the booth. Um, the trio of us were, were kind of just uh, tag teaming up there and then uh, I had to make my way down to interview coach at halftime which is what I typically do and ultimately just ended up staying down there and operating as a sideline reporter but overall it was a, a very fun experience a very great uh, opportunity um, to learn and, and develop 
as I keep climbing the ranks and, and you know, learning the, the sports broadcasting world. Um, but I, I really enjoyed uh, being out there. Uh, it was a great turnout. A-Day was, was fun. The weather was great. Um, I was really impressed with the number of fans at the game. Maybe they heard my message on Big News Sports. I hope so because – um, you know, it's so important to, to have that, that atmosphere out there and just, uh, really get that energy, uh, you know, back to the program. And, um, ultimately, like I said, man, it just, there's a lot of promise, uh, from this team right now. And I, there's, uh, there's so many people talking about quarterbacks and, and their concerns. And, it, and I'm just telling you right now, I mean, if you watch A Day and you're, you're griping and complaining about what you saw, you don't know football. Um, that's all I want to say. Cause I mean, again, from the defense side of the ball, I thought they looked great. Uh, offense, right? Um, I know the quarterbacks, uh, they did some good things. They did some okay things. They probably did some bad things, but here's the thing. It's spring and this is the time to learn. Um, and football season doesn't start for months away, right? They have time to come back, uh, you know, get to work. They have time to work on their craft, work on all the little details that they can clean up. Cause now they, they can gauge themselves. They know where they stand. They know what they need to work on. Um, so ultimately, they just need to be where their feet are. And speaking of being where your feet are, if you are living in any type of pain, foot pain, knee pain, back pain, you name it, I urge you to go on over to the Good Feet store located in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa, or you can schedule an appointment online at goodfeet.com. I promise you won't be disappointed. You've got nothing to lose. It's try before you buy. If you enjoy them, you can walk out of the store that very same day. So head on over to Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa to the Good Feet store or go online to goodfeet.com and schedule an appointment. That's Good Feet, improving the quality of people's lives two feet at a time. Indeed. Appreciate Good Feet very much. When we get back, we're going to join Tim Brando uh, with his insightfulness over the draft, college football, and many other things. Continue on this Wednesday afternoon edition of Big Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal. Holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing you call Haley on her cell yes her cell 205-792-1813 that's 205-792-1813 let Haley help you in Birmingham Alabama we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world we're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves we are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer we're here for for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy this afternoon and tonight will maintain the chance of a few scattered showers. The high today 74, tonight's low 60. Or tomorrow cloudy, a good chance of showers, maybe a few strong thunderstorms around. The high 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. 
a national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Dixon Sports, Matt and Lars, joined now by Fox Sports' Tim Brando. Fox Sports for three more years, according to a recent contract extension. So that is good for Tim Brando. Timmy, how are you, man? Matt, I'm great. Good to be with both you guys. It's, uh, we're getting a little respite between storms here in Louisiana. Uh, we're going to have some more tonight, I think, but had a few this morning and, uh, I'm enjoying the sunlight and uh, doing some spring things around the house for my wife and popping ibuprofen after 18 holes of golf yesterday. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> That's the story of my that, life dude. right now. There you go. <laughs> hey, uh, just take, take a quick glance at the top of the NFL draft board. There's a lot of people talking about different quarterbacks going here and there. Are you a Bryce Young to Carolina guy? You know, I'm not really a draft guy at all. I just let it happen. Uh, I, I, I ran away from that in its earliest days when I was at ESPN. I remember when when we were doing it on during the day. I was actually working in New Orleans at uh, WGSO Radio on Canal Street. And because, you know, you're in St. Town, you had to have a big draft party. And we did it to Monteleone. And I remember Hub Arkish and, you know, Pro Football Weekly was on with us. And we had battles, you know, with the other stations on how to cover the draft. We bring Saints players out. It was an all-day party. I missed it during the week, you know, when it when it was on at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning on, like, a Tuesday, you know, a work yeah. day, and everybody got to take a, a, a party. I miss those old days um, of the draft. I keep up with it, Matt, from distance. And, Lars, I, frankly, I get so fatigued with the oversell that we get on the draft. Um, I understand why it happened. Uh, ESPN had a lot to do with that. Shortly after I moved up there, uh, and Berman and, and Zimmerman and Howard Balzer and all those guys, uh, were working on it. I'll never forget Bino loved being up, uh, in the, uh, cherry picker with all the Jets fans screaming and cussing in the middle of them <laughs> passing over in 1983. That was 40 years ago, you know, and then shortly after that, um, it seemed every year there was something crazy going on, but I dodged it like the plague. I, I always felt like, uh, you know, this is just hunting and pecking and guessing, you know, for everybody. Even the people that are supposed to know really don't. Uh, and very rarely do the, any of the reporters, even the information they get is, is, is sometimes not true, but yet it fills up the airwaves all the time. I'm just going to say that I believe that Bryce Young, despite his size, is the best quarterback you want to take. I mean, if he's available, you take him first. I mean, that's just bottom line, in my opinion. Uh, this notion that he could be too brittle uh, to stay healthy, uh, we've said that about a lot of people. You know, Nick Saban passed on an opportunity to, to get Drew Brees when he was a free agent for the same reasons that – I think a lot of people felt that, that they wouldn't draft him when he was coming out of Purdue. Always oh, too small. Uh, we don't know if he'll stay healthy. Of course, he did get hurt, and it was a bad shoulder injury. And, and to some extent, I understand why uh, Nick was skeptical about 
about his long-term health. But, you know, the good news for Alabama was he felt that way, and he, otherwise he would not have been at Alabama. You know, we could rewrite history books and sports without a doubt uh, over Nick Saban passing on Drew Brees when he was a free agent. Stories like that, to me, are more compelling than just the draft. But um, I, I do think that it, the overload in the media over it is out of control. I mean, I, I'm just not that terribly interested in it. I actually turn down radio interviews when when people are calling from major markets and they say, hey, Tim, we really want to go through the draft. You know all these college guys. And I'm like, yeah, I know all these college guys, but I really don't know how they're going to project as a pro. And I don't think most of the guys that are in the pro business know really how they're going to project. They hope, but I don't think they necessarily know. Tim, you mentioned Paul Zimmerman, and I got to say, uh, Doctor Z, yeah. uh, what a yeah. what, he's a, he was a real peach to work with. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> tongue in I cheek. Uh, rest yeah. in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> but um, LSU uh, spring game. Jaden Daniels just looked terrific. Ten of eleven, hundred and sixty-eight yards, two touchdowns. Do you put much stock, number one, in spring games? And two, just w- what are you seeing out, out of LSU and uh, Brian Kelly as he enters year two? Well, I said a year ago, I think the over-under, Lars, uh, that Vegas set for his first season was six and a half wins. And I believe I told you guys I would take uh, all my money right now and bet on Kansas going over one and a half wins and LSU going over six and a half wins. If you'd listened no, you to did that, say that. Yep. Yeah, I, <laughs> you would have won a lot of money uh, if you had listened to me on that particular day. Uh, I, listen, the, 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 the storyline will be different this time because the, the expectations are great. LSU now has moved into the position that Texas A&M was in a year ago falsely. And I also said, I think, that day that Texas A&M is the most overhyped team that I can recall uh, in recent years in the Southeastern Conference. And that also turned out to be true. Now, Fisher did manage to get that late win against LSU after they'd already secured the Western Division last year to save a little faith. But this year, Brian's got a deal. Brian Kelly's got a deal with that level of expectation that, that Jimbo Fisher had a season ago. The difference here, though, is Brian's got not just one quarterback, but two really good A&M didn't have any, okay? The the best one they had was a transfer from LSU that that Fisher, for whatever reason, decided not to start, and he should have because he was the most experienced quarterback at the SEC level that he had. Listen, they have done, all that being said, they have done at LSU just a remarkable job of blending the portal with recruiting uh, and doing so in a very manageable way. And and I do think the stock is up. The schedule is going to be tougher, okay, when you have to go on the road and win some of these games that you won a year ago. It is going to be tougher. But if I'm looking at the quarterback room at Alabama and I'm looking at the quarterback room at LSU, it's a blowout. It's an absolute blowout right now. So, you know, that's just the fact. Now, how that transcends as the season gets rolling, Alabama's still got the most talent at all the other positions of any of the teams outside of Georgia in the conference. 
But LSU in, in the right spots, and especially in their starting lineup, they've got unbelievable depth of talent. Uh, multiple guys with skill positions, and I think their line play is going to get better. Uh, I would put LSU at the very top of the Western Division to defend it right now. I would. And largely because the quarterback room is so good. Truth be known, if if that rule didn't exist in the Southeastern Conference about uh, inside the league transfer portals available, then, then I think people would be going crazy to try to get a hold of Nussmeyer. But right now, Jaden Daniels is the starting quarterback. But yeah, I think you got to have two, really, to feel confident to get through the Southeastern Conference in any season. And certainly LSU's got two of the best. Continuing on that, uh, who would you say, after what you've seen this spring, are the top three to five teams in the SEC right now? It's the same guys. I mean, it's that's pretty. That's a pretty easy question year in and year out, don't you think? I mean, Tennessee and Georgia are got to be at the top of the East. With Georgia clearly light years ahead of of Tennessee, and maybe light years ahead of of Alabama and uh, uh, and LSU in the West. I mean, Georgia is stockpiled. And and when you don't have to take the transfer portal at all to get where you need to go, and that's what Georgia did a season ago, that's a tremendous head start. Uh, I do think that, that the search now is really who's the fifth team. You know, who's another team that might emerge? And, and uh, it's fashionable, I think, to always say uh, that South Carolina might be that team because they certainly had their moments. Uh, a year ago, and I'm certainly a fan of Beamer. I think that, um, you know, in a tough division and with a very difficult schedule, uh, he's really gotten that program on, on some solid ground. But, uh, you know, I, I still believe that a lot of teams in that so-called second tier of the West are always overlooked. Uh, Jefferson staying at Arkansas might help them, but they're really hurt in a lot of other places and lost some players. Uh, Lane Kiffin, is almost all portals all the time, but he's done an amazing job with it. Uh, he's got some decisions to make as to how many of those quarterbacks he wants to hold on to. I think conceivably Ole Miss could be the fifth team rather than South Carolina. If I had to choose, you know, that that fifth team, those top four, I think, are pretty solid. This, this notion that Florida is all of a sudden going to get it in one, you know, with one year uh, under the belt of the new coach. I'm not convinced of that, not with the schedule they've got. Nor am I, but I put a lot of confidence in Jefferson and Pittman yeah. at Arkansas. Of yeah. course, yeah. I'm born and raised there, so I'm a little piggy from the get-go. I'm with, you. I'm with you. Yeah. I like them. Hey, let's take a break, and when we get back, we'll continue with more. Tim Brando, Fox Sports. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It's the-, the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, 
Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. Obviously, a lot to be done, and and given the circumstances, my my thoughts for years before we had the portal and before we had NIL was that you know both sports, both college basketball and college football, needed a czar. That we needed uh, uh, unification. We needed the you know we needed uh, people that were in leadership positions to take into consideration the uh, totality of the sport as opposed to just their constituency in certain regions of the country. Um, I, I do think with the hiring of uh, Tony Petiti to be the head of the Big Ten Conference, I, I think there's a real chance that he and Greg Stanky, once they become comfortable with one another as leaders of the two top conferences, they will understand uh, together, cumulatively, that they have to be thinking about more than just their own constituencies. And, and that can help. Uh, it also may help. Uh, you know, I'm holding out hope that Charlie Baker, in his position uh, as, as the head of the NCAA, can at least do more than kick the can down the road, which is what got us in this predicament in the first place, because the NCAA, for you know, almost, well, the better part of two decades, did nothing about what they knew was coming, and that was this, the situation we found find ourselves in now. Listen. I think the first and foremost thing fans have got to do is they got to condition themselves to stop griping about what has taken place because they didn't follow the business of college football the way they needed to. Uh, you know, I, I pissed a lot of people off, Matt, when I was on the air doing a daily radio show talking about these very issues that were coming down the pipe. And uh, most of these fans, by the way, that are pissed off, are my age, your age, and older. And yeah. those those days have come and gone, okay? Uh, this notion that we're, we're out there just playing for old state U is gone, okay? And, and, and by the way, the young men that you've been rooting for all these years, celebrating their championships, grinding where they would be drafted because they played at old state U, <laughs> they had nothing in common with you even before NIL – <laughs> they had nothing in common with you even before the NIL and the transfer portal were created. Uh, we do have to stop this notion and these stories that are becoming so, uh, you know, obvious on social media about, well, 
so and so, Drake May might be available, you know, for four or five million in an NIL deal. We we gotta we gotta be able to curtail that somehow, some way. And I, the best way to do that is for those that are in positions of power to get together as often as they can, and let's do something uh, in conjunction with maybe Charlie Baker, because he did deal with uh, Congress in a very large way. Uh, in the state of Massachusetts, he navigated through a blue state as a Republican governor. That, to me, that says something about his ability uh, to persuade and have impact. we got to do something in those terms. These guys have to get together, and the sooner the better. Uh, as, it, as it relates to what I would do, big picture, it would be that. It would be just that. It would be if you're the, the strongest voices of the sport, and this just in. Okay, and a lot of people in that SEC office loathe hearing and seeing what Tim Brando has to say. So much so, I was bombed. I was banned from Pine Bomb Show a couple of years ago. They don't want to hear what I have to say. But the facts of the matter are, the two strongest voices of the Big Ten and the SEC, and those two commissioners, in my opinion, have the ability to take hold of the of the sport to some extent, get everyone else to buy in, and start doing some things in unison to protect all of college football, not just their own constituencies. Uh, Tim, someday we're going to have to hear more about your uh, banishment from the Pine <laughs> Bomb show. But, well, uh, well you won't, go you ahead, won't hear you. it from him. You won't hear it from Paul because he's, he's doing what he's told. And Paul and I are fine. But the reality is, you know, he's doing what he's told. And, and, and you know, it's either coming from Bristol or Birmingham. My, my, I, I would probably say it's a combination of both. But listen, just offering up uh, some strong opinions about the, the direction of where the sport needs to go when it's troubled. And I know Paul's got his and I've got mine. But the fact that we can't discuss it, you know, and I was one of the, the guys that, come, that came on there about as regularly as I come on your show now. And uh, no reason's ever been given to me as to why I can't. Paul and I remain friends. Um, Tim, uh, uh, another topic uh, that involves the SEC in the news right now, and this is a subject that we have broached uh, maybe six, seven months ago, and that yeah. is fans storming the field. And the SEC is mulling drastic punishment uh, for stands storming the field. So real, real quick, two questions. One, how do you feel about that? And two... Uh, in, in basketball, have you ever felt in danger when you're down on the court? No, no. And the, the notion that this is being thrown around and, and even discussed is preposterous, okay? That kind of garbage is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, why is that? We don't, <laughs> it's, just, it's crazy. That'll never be implemented. There's absolutely no way. Do you realize what that would do to a college town if 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 Tuscaloosa lost a home game to the merchants in that in that area? Hell, even in Birmingham, same true in Baton Rouge. They count on those seven home games economically. I mean, Lars, that, that's just to me. That's just let's let's throw this out there so we've got something to discuss. Get everybody's minds off what really matters. Okay, and that's exactly the propaganda machine I'm talking about that sometimes comes out of these conferences, and it makes them look as stupid as Congress. It does. 
I mean, there's no way the presidents of the institutions are going to buy in to such poppycock. Makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, find them. Uh, this notion that, well, $100,000 or $250,000 is jump change. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But who created that? The league did by getting great television deals that allow those schools to operate with so much more revenue, they have become the dominant conference in college football in both championships and revenue. I mean, this, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. And see, what happens is, the local stations pick up on this story, and then they they begin to discuss it, and it and it just it takes up vital airtime when good information could be coming out to talk about something that's germane. This is anything but. So no, it's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. And this is just another way of of saying, hey, we're different than everybody else. So we're going to suck more joy out of intercollegiate <laughs> athletics by saying fans can't come onto the field. Uh, have, have I felt at times when I was on a football field that I might have been in danger? Yes. Uh, and it happened. I was on the sidelines in 1986 uh, working as the host slash sideline reporter for ESPN when we had CFA football in prime time. You remember the Georgia-Auburn game? If you don't, Google it, look it up. Uh, Georgia pulled off this incredible upset. Fans came onto the field. They had to play with a backup quarterback that night for Vince Dooley. I was interviewing him, and as the fans came out, I believe it was David Housel that decided to turn on the sprinkler system to get those fans yeah. off. So, and uh, and it did become a dangerous situation at that point. I remember I had to release Vince from my interview. My, my wife was on that trip, and she was in the production truck with our producers and directors and, 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 and uh, all of our technicians. And as I scurried through the tunnel to get to um, the position where our truck was, I was dodging a few um, old number seven bottles, and uh, they, they, they weren't plastic in those days. They were they were glass. So I was a little concerned that night, but never at a basketball game, okay? Uh, this all began in basketball when uh, at Vanderbilt, everyone went crazy and started throwing uh, tennis balls or whatever else to Dwayne Shinsis back in the day and uh, remember that remember that and, and nobody nobody got hurt i mean and the fans at a college game especially those students they they want to have those moments and you know this notion that I, I think it comes from this to some extent there are times when people in power determine that they want to be um uh all things uh powerful you know, that suddenly I'm the Wizard of Oz and I'm behind the curtain and I can do whatever I want. And I don't know whose idea this was in those Birmingham offices, but it was ludicrous. And it's a waste of time, a waste of time and airspace in the media that we're even discussing it. As we wrap up, they are going to meet in Destin here in a couple of weeks. Uh, what Just run through two or three topics you think that the SEC is going to address. Now that I just heard myself, tell you that. Now I know why I'm off my butt. Uh, <laughs> Tim, you are on uh, fire. And this is the best interview you've ever given us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, truth is truth. At, at some point, it's, things have to be said. I mean, they they just do. Uh, we, we all should grow and we all should mature and, and know what's really important out there. And, and I think that's the thing, guys. It's all about 
leadership. Much is expected of those in leadership positions. And listen, I have the utmost respect for the commissioners that are in, in, in positions that they're in. But they're making a lot of money just like the coaches, okay? And with that comes a lot of accountability and responsibility in my view. And we need to be addressing in the offseason things a hell of a lot more important than whether we're going to take a home game away from a team because their fans storm the damn field. I mean, that's just a joke. Um, what what might be addressed from the SEC's perspective is, I think, that that's important, is getting the nine games, how we're going to structure the schedule, uh, and, 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 and make the schedule manageable. You know, there are a lot of guys that are no longer in that uh, office that, that uh, Mike Flies, you know, looked to to help in those areas. And, and I think bringing those people that he trusted into the loop was something that made him a strong leader. Uh, sometimes you have to have people in there that know a little bit more than maybe you do. I, I think strengthening the schedule isn't just an issue for uh, the fans at home, but it's also important for the fans, uh, excuse me, fans on, at the stadium, but also for the fans at home. And that is, in my opinion, fellas, making sure some of the great games, the great matchups, don't fall at the same time as other great matchups. A lot was made by Sankey at the SEC when he decided to stay with one network carrier for his college football television contract. The, the thought was that this will make it easier for us to schedule. Well, now that you're adding these teams, Oklahoma and Texas, now you got to prove it. Now you got to make sure he better have someone with great TV background helping him put together a schedule that makes sure it can compete with the Big Ten as it does the same thing. Because that's a battle for television ratings that's going to matter. Right now, despite all those titles, the SEC does not rate as well as the Big Ten. Been true before, it remains true now. Tim, great stuff. Let's do it again soon. Get on the golf course quick as you can. You got it, my friend. All the best. Good talking to you, Lars. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks, Timmy. All right. Thanks, thanks, Tim. Back with more Big Noon Sports on a Wednesday. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part? It's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Receiving unemployment, your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov slash fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility. Did you know 
not washing your hands after using the bathroom can increase the spread of hepatitis A? Washing your hands with soap and water, as well as getting vaccinated, is the best way to protect yourself if you are at risk of getting hepatitis A. One dose of the hepatitis A vaccine provides long-lasting protection in up to 95% of those who receive it. For more information on the hepatitis A outbreak in our state, visit alabamapublichealth.gov forward slash IMM. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Public Health, the ABA, and this station. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy this afternoon and tonight will maintain the chance of a few scattered showers. The high today, 74. Tonight's low, 60. For tomorrow, cloudy. A good chance of showers. Maybe a few strong thunderstorms around. The high, 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Hey, back on Appreciate the work, Baden and Joe, every day. Thank you very much. Uh, guys, you know, my little show sheet only has one thing remaining, and it's not very interesting, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Um, you're familiar with the ARCA series and stock car racing? Uh, I'm like one of three people on the planet that is, yes. Well, uh, they have a, a regular driver. Her name is Tony Breedinger. And she is going to start her race in Kansas later this year. And her sponsor is going to be Victoria's Secret. I just thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Um, the thing, yeah, I mean, I, of course, like when we talk female drivers, I automatically think of Danica Patrick. And, you know, I got to know Danica pretty well. Um, and she was his sponsorship gold, you know, and that's the thing, Matt. I mean, you've seen this throughout the years that if a, if a female can perform well in motorsports, the, the marketing opportunities are ample, right? And if there's marketing opportunities, that means there are going to be driving opportunities, right? Yep. Matt? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, no, I, yeah, the Victoria's Secret, man, I think it, it makes sense. Um, I remember years ago, you do too, when, uh, I think it was Walter, the first one started racing for Tide. Well, I'm going to sound chauvinistic or whatever, but Tide is a product that is mainly purchased by women. Um, and I don't know if they necessarily started the ball rolling, but many followed because after doing some research, they found that like 45% of NASCAR fans were women. So it was the perfect demographic to hit. So, uh, I always thought that I always like to keep up with the sponsors and see who likes to jump all the way in and dip their, uh, you know, then dip their toe in the sponsorship waters because, um, we all know they don't. They don't run at all without sponsors. Well, no, what, I have one really funny sponsorship story, and that is uh, Elliot Sadler years ago. Uh, and Elliot was always one of my favorite drivers. Me too. Uh, because he's just such a good guy. 
and um, a really good athlete, and a big big dude. But um, uh, he was sponsored by M and M's, right? And uh, whenever he would get to Victory Lane, and he may have gotten to Victory Lane at Talladega, I don't remember. You may have interviewed him. He did. Well, so his sponsor was M and M's, and of course, uh, if, when he wins, he's got to eat M and M's. Well, guess what? M&M's did, not, M&M's did not agree with his constitution. And so he, after every victory lane uh, inter- interview, he would have to make a sprint to, uh, you know, the facilities. Well, and all that's around victory lane are porta potties, and they're certainly serve their purpose, but not in that reason, <laughs> uh, in that particular capacity. Kristen, you got anything else you on your plate you want to launch here before we take off and get ready for tomorrow? No, I'm good, guys. I, I ain't got anything. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, well, yeah. Quick no, I'm. Story. I'm looking forward uh, to, to, sorry, Matt, just uh, I can't believe that this semester is wrapping up at uh, Alabama. My last classes are are tomorrow and it always just seems to go by so fast. And um, it's it's almost like you get to know the students at at a really sort of uh, deep level and then they're gone. And but but hopefully, uh, you know, like Cole Cole Thompson, one of my former students, uh, we we've maintained a, a close relationship, and I'm, again, so proud of him. And you, and you you can see why just his analysis of the draft that he that he gave us in hour one was just terrific, Matt. Yeah, I got one quick sponsor story to tell you. Is uh, I was in Daytona in the 80s. Yeah, I'm that old. But as you know, Lars, you always look for a good feature. Uh, I can do all the Alabama gang stories in the world, send them back. People are going to love those. Find a good feature. So I was in the pit area, and this car flew past me, and it was orange and blue, and on the back of it was written War Eagle. I thought, well, hell, this is a great story. I hadn't heard of these people at all. So I followed them back. It turns out they're a mining company in West Virginia. (laughs) But that made it an even better story. All right, guys. Good show. Our thanks once again to Haley Sanson, Union Home Mortgage. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, I had a conversation earlier with Nick Gillespie, so we'll talk some Alabama football, maybe a little baseball tomorrow. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Remember, you can dial us up through our website at bignoonsports.com. Follow us on Twitter at Big Noon Sports. Everyone have a wonderful day. Talk again in 22 hours. See you, everybody. base.